Welcome to The Yoga Voice, a podcast by City Yoga, School of Yoga and Health. Our guests discuss how the contemporary practice of this ancient art transforms the lives of individuals and communities in the Midwest and beyond. City Yoga has been a center for the practice of yoga and yoga teacher training since opening in 2002. Join us as we explore how yoga inspires and transforms. Hello, once again, Dave Sims here at The Yoga Voice. And today we've got a really amazing woman on the show. She's a yoga teacher, an organic farmer, a nurturer, a world traveler, a steward of the land. She's committed to service in her community. Allie Szymanski from Anderson, Indiana at Shambhala Farms. She is uh, looking forward to sharing her passion for yoga, her passion for growing things. And we just had a uh, wonderful opportunity to discuss what all is involved in doing things from growing tomato plants on your back porch or in the window box to planting acres of organic permaculture farming. So she's a very um, dynamic individual. She came and gave a talk at our Nourish Wellness Center twice in the past year. She was here last spring and then this spring. And she talks about the ease and um, variety of things you can grow organically in an urban setting. Her passions for yoga and mindful living are just self-evident. She is a, just has this well of energy. She works full time. She um, is constantly learning more and more about different aspects of gardening and, and growing an orchard and doing greenhouse farming and growing plants and uh, taking her produce and fresh eggs to the farmers markets around central Indiana. And it's something that, you know, she's, I've watched her grow since I first met her and she showed up at the yoga studio um, with some little tomato plants. Like I, I planted too many starts. I got to give these away. And, and so she went on to do teacher training and, and she went on to do these amazing things with her, her gardening and farming. So I'm really excited to introduce her to the community today and let you hear from her own voice the uh, passions she has around yoga and farming. Greetings all. Welcome to The Yoga Voice. Today I have Allie here and we're so excited to have this conversation. She's doing amazing work in the world and so welcome. Oh, thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yay. Um, so tell us a little bit about what inspires you today. Well, I think at this moment what inspire, inspires me the most is connection to nature and feeling a deeper energy level from my connection to nature and even more so being able to share that with other people that are around me in the community and, and even outside the community as it begins to grow. Oh, you know, that makes total sense with all that you've got going on, which I'm sure our listeners will be excited to hear about your connection with the earth and farming and growing and and uh, all the cool things that you're doing. So very cool. Um, 
So I do like to have people tell us a little bit about their story. So thinking back to how things were prior to your yoga journey or any transformation, what happened along the way and what's it like today? Yeah. So I will say it's probably in college. One of my girlfriends asked me if I wanted to go to a yoga class with her and I knew nothing about yoga and she was a couple years older than me and I kind of looked up to her a little bit and she was already showing me some different ways of life that I had not been exposed to. And I went to just a regular yoga class at, at a YMCA in Louisville, Kentucky, uh-huh. which is the area that I grew up. And I was like, this is really cool. And mm-hmm. I've never really been a big, I've been a health person, but never really big, like I guess you would say workout person. Yeah. And so going to like a class at the Y, I was like, oh, okay, sure. I'll check it out. And that was when I was like 19. And then I went a little bit and I got a little bit into it and then I ended up moving, switching colleges and going to uh, eventually IU Bloomington. And that's when I end up, ended up going to my other girlfriend asked me if I wanted to go to some classes down at a studio in Bloomington. Uh-huh. And it was winter. And she's like, look, they do, it's like 30 bucks. It's two weeks unlimited. Come check it out with me. And I was like, oh. Okay, sure. And so I go, and it was my first hot class I had ever done. Uh-huh. And I struggle with winter and the cold in Indiana. And being able to be in 90 to 100 degree room mm-hmm. and not only warmed every part of my body, but I was also getting this amazing detoxifying component to the workout that yeah. I had never experienced before. I will say I pretty much despise sweating in all capacities <laughs> up until I started taking hot yoga classes. Yeah. And, but it was, I felt like a whole new person after every time I would come in and out of these classes. Mm-hmm. Literally, I sweated out like a whole old person. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, you know, the Midwest winters can be brutal. <laughs> and, you know, that that's, you're like in a little cocoon in those hot classes here. So that's very cool. Yes. Go ahead. Yeah. And so I will say uh, this was more of an upper class um, in time of my college career and taking some graduate level courses as an undergrad and I started to have some test anxiety and just a lot of stress associated with school in general. And from that, insomnia kind of set in and at different times of throughout the semester. Mm-hmm. And yoga also then became a form for me to kind of compartmentalize my stress. Mm-hmm. And, and I found it being, which I was unaware of at the time, a very meditative thing for me, a time where I could take everything else that was going on school related and stress related in that regard and have this hour or more where I was very present and able to just have this mental escape. And, uh, and then looking back on it now, I realize how essential of a tool that has been uh, at different times in my life when I've had other issues more pressing and things that were hard to, move past. Yeah. What were you studying down there in Bloomington? Uh, I got my degree in geology. Okay. Ah, so you're earth, 
Earth girl. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did geology with an environmental science concentration. Okay. So now it's all making sense. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so yoga in college and um, you knew there was something to it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then it became even more clear when my dad suddenly passed away my senior year of college. And obviously a very, I was very close to my dad and, mm. um, a very difficult time for me. Yeah. And then that's a time when yoga actually really became more of a therapeutic thing for me. Mm -hmm. So I said it was, it, I was finding it to be a tool where it was an escape from the world and it was a way for me to process things on a more of a subconscious level. Mm -hmm. And when life was kind of becoming overwhelming and I needed to take a step back from reality, I was able to step onto my mat. And yeah. that was, that was always there for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, grief can be such a heavy, heavy emotion that there's a very healing power in yoga to, you know, take on those difficult emotions. I mean, I found that, you know, in my life that, um, you know, grateful to have that space where I can go to my mat and whether it's viewing as an escape or a, a chance to just slow down the pace of life. Um, but there's an unavoidable introspection that happens, right? I mean, I think, I don't think we really numb out at all on our mat. I mean, I suppose there could be some way to do that, but, um, I just believe that's the transformative power of our yoga practice is there's stillness, there's introspection, we're present moment like you talked about. And then we get to walk away a little lighter. And you can really notice it with those heavy emotions that are, you know, just uh, pain or hurt or whatever's going on. So um, very interesting. So, so after college, what happens? Yeah, so... After college, I end up getting uh, an engineering esque job up here in Indianapolis, okay. in Castleton area, and I end up doing that for a little bit of time, and then I was presented another opportunity to switch to a different engineering firm in Carmel, and I did that for a number of years, and then and still had. Once I actually out of college, my yoga practice even became more of a integral part of my life. I was very fortunate that there was literally a yoga studio out my apartment door and basically across the street. <laughs> and so I did the monthly unlimited pass and I was there every, almost every single day. And it was probably a little too convenient sometimes because yeah. when the winter was crazy and I needed it, but we had a foot of snow that came down a couple hours before the studio was still open and I would be the only student that would go. <laughs> <laughs> the diehard. Uh, yeah, but it was like, well, I can literally walk across the street, so there's no reason for me to not go. So, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, and it started, I started really learning about the community and learning more about yoga than just the asana and started opening up my eyes to a whole different world and which then just allowed me, I like to think of it as tools in my toolbox and allowed me to continue to 
become the person that I want to be and to meet people that were able to expose me to things that I would have never uh, maybe been able to find otherwise. Just, yeah. you know, that expansion of my mind and uh, and that continual growth. Yeah. What um, I'm trying to think when I met you, you were getting ready. You were talking about teacher training, getting ready to go somewhere. It's Costa Rica, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So what brought you to that place? Well, I did my training down at Passion Yoga School in Costa Rica. Okay. And well, actually one of, I think she, she used to teach here. Uh, one of your previous instructors, she also went down there and she suggested it, but I decided I wanted to pursue my teacher training because I ultimately my goal is to be able to do yoga therapy specifically for cancer patients mm-hmm. and getting my 200 hour yoga teacher training was going to be the first step for that. And that uh, came from uh, my own personal diagnosis of breast cancer. Okay. And so that was your catalyst to like, okay, I need to learn more about this. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it was like the essential foundation building block to, to move, like to get that done mm-hmm. and then to move forward with that. Okay. And so, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, and then growing things. I, I recall at that time you're like, hey, I got, I got these extra tomato plants. <laughs> I've got too many plants. Can you take some? I'm like, oh, sure. We have a, gardens at home and nourish wellness. So, so uh, here you come with plants. And I, I was like, oh, this is great. What, a, what an interesting person, you know. And, and so I was curious where, you know, you had a big garden in the in broad ripple in by your yard right yeah, yeah. and um one thing leads to another and then you're like hey i'm buying a farm in anderson <laughs> so yeah so that that's yeah quite a uh there's some other things that had happened in there that led me to be able to buy a farm in anderson okay. and um but it all a lot a lot of it definitely stemmed from from being diagnosed um that was i was 27 and so it was i was young and very healthy and yoga had been a part of my life for a long time and i've been a vegetarian for a long time like i have since my since about 2021 mm-hmm. i have been very health conscious uh and the cancer came very unexpected yeah and so i was living with my boyfriend at the time and when we were separating way parting ways um i also had recently got a new job and it allowed me to move out of marion county and anderson happened to be one of the areas that i serve and so i was able to find I wanted an old farmhouse and a couple acres that I could make into my own. Nice. And so, uh, so yeah, I've had it now uh, just a little over two years. And it's it's been everything that I, it has exceeded any expectations I could have ever wished or hoped to have. Yeah. So the your own yoga practice sounds like it's been beneficial and going through your own cancer journey um remission for a while now 
I have four years remission as of yesterday. Awesome. Oh, that's so exciting. As of yes, yesterday. As of yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> and you're glowing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, thinking yes. about that on the way down here. I knew it was yesterday. And then I was like, ah, oh, this is perfect for me to do this because it's just, you know, a re-emphasis on how precious life is and how much yoga has meant to me throughout my life and mm-hmm. um, and all the wonderful things that can come from it, from meeting awesome people to being able to work through grief and health problems and, and a lot of other things that life brings you, no matter how prepared you think you are. Right, right. Well, I'm curious how how growing things and gardening, what spark, I know you're healthy living and vegetarian. Is that what drew you to like, I want to grow my own food? Or was there, did you have a garden when you were a kid? Or what, mm-hmm. what, what all brought this I, about? I did have a, my parents had a couple acres growing up and my dad was a chef. And so oh. he had a little backyard garden and I never wanted anything to do with it as a child. And I, I hated a lot of the stuff he grew. As a matter of fact, I was like, I don't want to eat the zucchini. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, and, but then I was, the college was having a plant sale. It was just like a random, the biology department was like selling tomato plants and some basils and things like that. And for whatever reason, I decided, oh yeah, I'll try to grow a couple things. And I had a little patio at my apartment Mm -hmm. and I just did a couple little containers. And then it, that was probably like 2008 or nine. And then it has just literally gone wild since then <laughs> every year since then yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially as i think about it like my goal every year is to double what i do and um yeah i think i i'm in the past almost 10 years it's probably been pretty close to that so you're pretty on par <laughs> don't, don't, so a couple containers and now you're three acre farm mm-hmm, just yeah. shy of three acres <laughs> okay so let's tell us about the farm like what was did it start? You said it was an old farmhouse. You had to renovate, and what was the land like? And then what? What? I know you put a lot of work into it. So talk about yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, so it is the old homestead uh, for there was a I don't know how many acres, maybe a hundred, two hundred acres that's around me. That's all commercial agriculture. Okay. And. And if you take this little three-acre rectangle and you stick it in the middle of this cornfield with the 100-year-old farmhouse, um, that's me. And so I, the old original homestead barn had been recently torn down right before I bought the property. Unfortunately, they had left a lot of debris and things that were less than desirable for me to clean up. So there has been a lot of cleaning up of things and removing of things from the property before I could build some other things, um, <laughs> before I could yeah, grow some things and, uh, and expand in the capacity that I wanted to. But this is the first year that I almost have the property fully eliminated. Uh, this is my third grow season there Okay. of all of the things that were gifted to me. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I started out with just, I put in eight four by eight raised beds okay and then that was the first year last year i put in uh, like a 20 by 40 area maybe uh of permaculture beds 
Okay. And then this year I have, it's about a 50 by 50 further in the back part of the property. That's going to be a you pick it. Ah, nice. And then I built a greenhouse last spring. So that's been huge in terms of what I've been able to do and share with people in the community. Nice. So to enlighten some of our listeners who may not be familiar with the term permaculture. So what go into a little bit of what's a permaculture bed. Yeah. So, well, the general premise of permaculture is basically you work with the land, not against it or with nature and not against it. So, and it is about having a very dynamic ecosystem in your garden and from anything like technically there's, they say there's seven canopies to it. So you Mm. want to plant things that are going to, um, create natural habitat for insects that want to eat your other plants that are next to it. And you want to plant things that maybe want a little bit more shade next to things that are going to get taller. And you, there's a big part of it where you do not disturb the soil and the microbiology of the soil and your, um, so there's, it's basically you go in and you, I like to think of it as a food forest uh-huh. and you, plant trees and shrubs and flowers and as much edible stuff as you can. And what's not edible is beneficial to insects and, and to the other, other Earth's creatures. Yeah. And you just create this very sustainable ecosystem that feeds you and the things that are around you. And composting yep. plays a part in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I've read some things on the, um, a lot that we, hadn't understood in the past about soil structure and not disrupting the soil and um, what all is going on underneath the earth there. That, uh, so what have you found? I mean, are you, do you do any um, digging up or is it all just left alone? Do I do any tilling? Tilling, yeah. I do not till. Okay. I, I have been able to implement a, a no-till uh, policy on my property. So it is amending of soil just by directly, uh, whether you're smothering out the grass. Uh, I really like to use hay and straw to smother out grass or mulch. Okay. I've been able to connect with the local tree company and arborist and they bring me fresh wood chips. And I you can put down six to eight inches of that and it will do a pretty good job of smothering out most weeds. Okay. And then it also... Uh, really creates a wonderful uh, environment for beneficial fungi. You can come in and you can inoculate with different kinds of mycorrhizal fungi and they eat the wood chips and they build amazing soil and then you can plant into it and it's weed free and also amazing moisture retention and you compost into that and you just have this little beautiful circle of life. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I, in what I've read about that, that whole circle of life creating this ecosystem where it's it seemed amazing to me how the soil communicate you know those those fungi communicate with each other and plant roots and and this almost uh heard it described as like a little underground nutrient market system where you know plants are giving off nutrients the fungi need and they're drawing up nutrients from the earth that the plant needs and this is like this cool little community going on and whenever you turn the soil you disrupt all that so i guess my question would be how long does it take that system to get established or regenerate once the you know the land has been disturbed yeah 
Well, I don't have a definitive answer for how long, mm-hmm. but the sooner I would say that you can, I mean, you can inoculate and you can bring in your own mycorrhizal components of things. And, but if it has been disturbed, uh, the, one of the best things to do is start putting in organic matter and stop disturbing <laughs> and let it sit yeah. and allow the earthworms to come in and the bugs to come back in and allow that mycorrhizal uh, system to, to reestablish because exactly once you till, you break all of that up yeah. and, and then you're also bringing in negative bacteria. And then a lot of things people don't realize is that a lot of tilling actually the seeds that have kind of settled down to the surface that haven't had the most conducive environment for germination are now brought to the surface where that environment is more conducive for germination. So a lot of times you can till up weed seeds that yeah. would have lied dormant there otherwise. So people think they need to till in compost or things like that. And it does help break up the soil, but there are better ways to do it. Yeah. Uh-uh. To, to, to create that rich, loamy soil that you want mm-hmm. uh, that is desirable, especially if you're planting like root vegetables and things like that. Yeah. When you did your raised beds, where'd you get your soil for all that? Yep. Uh, I think it was just indie, indie mulch. Okay. And yeah. our Tiffany's carries it as well. We, we did two different ones, but we buy organic mushroom compost. Mm. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And it is. Now I'm working on getting my, making my own mushroom compost. But if you don't have that ability to do that, they will deliver it by the truckload. Like we've got like a couple yards of it just delivered into our driveway in Broad Ripple. Nice. <laughs> and shovel it on yeah. in the beds. But, um, but it was, it's beautiful grow medium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've used some of it before. Yeah. I found that it's like really rich and yeah. What's the, um, so you've got your, you have a full-time job and you're just kind of doing this, running this farm on the side. Mm-hmm. I know you, you've come and given a couple talks on urban gardening and sort of the, and you're doing plant sales and you're trying to get uh, this this idea out in the community that you can grow. It's pretty easy to grow in whatever space you have and you can find a way to grow something. So what was the impetus for starting that, that talk series and plant sales and all that? Yeah. Well, you know, life is so serendipitous, but so it was two new years ago, you guys do the gong meditation Mm -hmm. and uh, I, on my way from Anderson down here New Year's Eve and I sideswiped a car so I was running late getting here on my way here and I was just like oh goodness I'm meeting one of my girlfriends here and I get here like if the room's already packed my girlfriend and I aren't gonna be able to sit next to each other I put my mat down I'm kind of like you know trying to be like all right Allie we're here for a to bring in the new year <laughs> like, <laughs> on this positive note like what whatever the car thing, it's just a car, we'll get it fixed. It wasn't, nobody was hurt, you know, not a big deal. And I put my mat down and I sit down and I look and I sat next to Anne. Oh. And then we start talking about gardening and she asked me if I had big plans for things. And then she looks at me and she says, I'd love to, I'd offer like monthly workshops or classes for my patients at Nourish. Would you be willing to come teach a gardening class? Mm-hmm. And I was like, absolutely, I would love to. <laughs> and so... Uh, then we planned one, I think, for last June. Mm-hmm. And then, but last summer was also the first summer that I was 
going to start doing the farmer's market and like trying to make the like farm to start selling produce and things like that from the farm. Okay. And, uh, and I said last spring I got the greenhouse built. And so I always start more seeds than I probably really need. <laughs> and so when I was doing the farmer's market, I was, I just brought some plants with me to sell mm-hmm. and that were leftovers. And I was selling more plants than I was anything else. <laughs> That's and, good. Yeah. Uh, and then I realized how much I love talking to people and I feel like empowering them to grow their own food. Mm-hmm. It's like not everybody wants to grow their own food and that's fine. And like I love that they come to the farmer's market and they support the people that can. But some people want to grow their own food or at least try, you know, like one tomato plant or a pepper plant or something on the more simple uh, component of things. And so, uh, yeah, I end up selling like a lot of plants. And I realized it was a passion of mine that I didn't realize I even had. And then I won the, I taught, taught the gardening class, sold yeah. more plants there and gave yeah. a bunch away to the patients. Yeah. And then, um, and then I did another one just a couple of weeks ago with you guys. Yeah. And it was awesome. And so it has, and then this year I've decided I'm doing a little bit, I'm doing the, you pick it. Okay. So I want to, it has just really become apparent to me that I want to help people use food as medicine. Mm-hmm. Because I really believe that it can be used as medicine, and you are what you eat in a lot of ways. Right. And um, and then also, you know, you hear a lot about food deserts now, and a lot of food insecurity, and a lot of things coming out about what's actually on our food that we buy from the grocery store. And I just feel like people have the ability to have their own power to grow their own food no matter what kind of environment that they're in, in terms of housing. Yeah. And I live by the philosophy, do what you can with what you have. Mm-hmm. And I love to be able to open people's minds and share with them that they actually can do it on whatever scale. Right. And so that has just, it's, it's still growing and I'm still figuring out, you know, a lot of things, but uh, it, it is definitely a passion of mine that I, I don't see. Uh, I only see growing in, in more wonderful ways. That's cool. Well, I could tell when you gave that talk and you just, you have a lot of passion and, and out, you know, get, you gave away plants to people and then you were selling, you know, had more for them to buy and, and people are just excited and your depth of knowledge about the stuff you're growing and how to give it a good home, you know, was very prevalent there. Um, and I like what you said, you know, that old adage, you are what you eat and, Actually, one of my teachers talks about, frequently he'll talk about this amazing intelligence of our human bodies and that we take a banana, he always uses that example, and eat it within several hours, that banana becomes a part of a human being. Like your body, what almost anything we put into it can figure out how to create skin cells and liver cells and hair and and just all these components of our humanness. And um, so it made me buy into the idea, of, well, I want to make my body's job as easy as possible. And so the more whole foods I can put in that aren't laced with whatever herbicides and insecticides and all kinds of strange, scary things that my liver is not going to have an easy time with. (laughs) 
So things that are easy to digest and things that bring are packed with nutrients and low on chemicals. Um, so that's part of why I really appreciate what, what you're trying to do out there and how a, lo a lot of people don't have that awareness that, oh, you know, I can, uh, you did, you talked about something, a, a growing, um, it almost sounded like a little miniature sort of permaculture food forest um, that you could do on your back porch. What, talk about that a little bit. I mean, it was a multi-layered thing. Um, then you could do like in containers on a back porch? Yeah, yeah. Well, container growing, you will, especially in the Midwest, uh, since we do have harsh winters, you know, you are going to be somewhat limited. Uh, but, I mean, you can, people do citrus trees in big pots and bring them in for the winter. Ah. So, I mean, you can do some trees in pots. You really need to know uh, that would be something that um, would need a little bit more time to dive into. But, um, I mean... I like to really encourage people to grow herbs and whether they're medicinal, perennial, annual, um, and then really start out. People get discouraged very easily. So I encourage people to grow things that are easy and are definitely going to do well here. Um, in terms of the food forest on the back patio, I mean, tomatoes, peppers, basil, rosemary, uh, calendula, great medicinal herb. Um, I mean, a lot of our already herbs that we're buying at the grocery store have a lot of very beneficial medicinal components to them as well. Mm -hmm. And just knowing that you can treat some ailments with it. And, and also a lot of perennial like yarrow and echinacea or purple coneflower, like a lot of things that are natives here to Indiana, you can plant in your yard, um, are, have a lot of wonderful medicinal components and the bees love them. And, you know, it's just uh. kind of that, including ourselves, we think about ecosystem a lot and I don't think we put ourselves directly in that circle in the ecosystem enough. Right. Um, we think more about things that are below us in terms um, of of what we are, and so, um, yeah. And so I think it, food forests definitely because you want to have that sustainable component to things. And when I think about planting things, majority of the time I want them to be. I'm not just planting for myself. I'm planting for future generations. Yeah. And so I want to be able to leave something. A, a, like a legacy behind almost that can help educate and help people connect and help feed people and the animals. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned um, pollinators. Do, are you raising bees or do you have thoughts on? Uh, so I do the, they're called Mason bees and they're actually the native bee to Northern America. The honey bee is, was brought over from Europe, I believe, and is not native. And so uh, I do not mess with the honeybees because they are a lot of work <laughs> <laughs> and because they are not native, uh, they're very susceptible to parasites and disease and things like that. And I have luckily friends that are willing to take that on and they share honey with me. Um, but, and I've actually, it's how I learned, like I'm going to pass on doing honeybees. That's a lot more work than I want to dive into. Okay. Uh, but I have chickens and and then I try to just create as much natural habitat as I can for for the things that are around me. But no, I do not do honeybees. Yeah. So mason bees are that 
what's involved with that? You basically just have these little wooden... Yeah, well, you see a lot of those... There's some controversy on this, but um, those little homes that they had, those little ins- beneficial insect homes you see okay. now. Like I was at Costco yesterday and they are selling them there now. Yeah. And uh, they have like reeds and different things. And there's like little birdhouses with all these little like tunnels for... Uh-huh. Um, so mason bees can make their homes in that. But there are, the downside to that is uh, they are susceptible to mites and other parasitic wasps and things like that. So they're, these homes that we're trying to create for them are also leaving them susceptible to um, things that are going to have a negative impact. So actually, I just went to a really awesome plant festival down in Missouri mm-hmm. back in May and they there was a guy down there that's doing these kind of disposable homes to help um, create a less conducive environment for the parasitic things to come in and uh, and and have that negative effect on them. And they were like fully compostable, and and there's a really cool guy that was down there doing it. Uh-huh. Uh, so I didn't realize I was able to be educated on on that component of things as well. But so, but actually, my colleague coworker he hooked me up with. Um, these little or these little like cocoons or like little eggs, I guess you could call them these little things that they lay in the late summer. Mm-hmm. And you just basically he puts them in his fridge all winter, and you pull them out in the spring once it's warm, and you put this little wooden box next to them that has these little holes drilled in it, and they crawl out and they get in there and they make their little nests. Uh-huh. But they're supposed to be the main thing is like they're supposed to be ten times better pollinators than honeybees. Oh, okay. So they have bigger range or that kind of yeah, thing. They're yeah. busier. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that was he was he knew I did all this gardening, and he was like, "Would you be interested in these bees?" It's like if they're low maintenance. Yes. <laughs> he gave me the instructions for him. And so they only pollinate for, I think, like maybe four weeks, three or okay. four weeks. So you have to time it right when you pull them out of the fridge and you want things to be blooming and for them to have food. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Nice. So there are other wonderful, beneficial pollinators that we can, that are native, that mm-hmm. need less care that, than the honeybees. Well, that's, you know, drives on the po- point no pollinators, no food. More or less. I mean, there's, yeah. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Hand pollinating is something that I just started to have to do some last year because I am growing in my greenhouse. Okay. And so there, I don't, I try to keep bugs out of my greenhouse, right. uh, good and bad. And so I had to start learning a little bit more about some hand pollination techniques. Okay. And I think you mentioned you were growing, starting some type of nursery or is that a plan or is that? that growing yeah that is what i think i'm the path that i'm really starting to go down experiment with and uh and see what i'm capable of is creating a permaculture nursery mm-hmm. and so things that a lot of them are, are hard to find even though they're native to indiana uh or to the midwest like and trees and bushes the kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah Ah. And so to be able to, like in the gardening class I just taught at Nourish a couple of weeks ago, I talked about using edible perennials as land, as you know, landscape components. So uh-huh. People bring a lot of non-native things in, and they die, and they or they really don't thrive, and they're not blooming, they're not beneficial, like they just don't do anything besides they look like everybody else's yard. Yeah, and so 
to be able to have an aesthetic component. A lot of them are beautiful and people don't realize that they're beautiful and edible. Right. And so you can start incorporating that into your landscape. Well, that's, you know, Annie has always grown nasturtiums, you know, these beautiful flowers and they started showing up on our salads <laughs> and I just hadn't ever thought about, oh, this, they really are edible, you know. So, and delicious. And yeah. So they <laughs> add these great little flavor components and and with your growing up with a chef in the house, I'm sure you can appreciate the culinary sweetness of all these things and you know where they're coming from and the little nuances of, of how they're grown and, uh, you know, what a powerful thing. And it really, why I love talking about this with you is this, um, we talk a lot about living your yoga here and mindfulness. And, and I think like you are out there living large in a very yogic, mindful way. Um, so you're being a steward of the land. And I just think of those concepts of of non-harming or just, you know, trying to have forethought for the future generations. Um, and just what's the, the name of your farm, Shambhala? How, how did you come up with that name? I mean, it sounds very sort of mystical. Yeah. Um, well, perfect uh, description or adjective there. I was actually reading a shamanic gardening book. Okay. It's called Shamanic Gardening. And I thought I found it at the library. And um, the first maybe 20 or 30 pages of reading the book, they had the word Shambhala in there. And it basically translates to Paradise Gardens. Uh -huh. And I had not named the farm yet. It was shortly after I had bought the property. And I, I saw that word and it just, and the meaning, and I just thought Paradise Garden Farms, like totally was just resonated <laughs> with me. I was like, that's it. Like there was no doubt in my mind that that was what I wanted to name the farm. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a beautiful name. And that's, uh, um, so located up in Anderson and you talked about you pick, which I'm assuming the fall when harvest time comes, people can go out. What, what can they find to pick? Yeah. So there, hopefully the weather ever cooperates in <laughs> Indiana. Um, but I have already planted green beans, tomatoes, okra, beets, some sweet potatoes, lots of pumpkins and gourds. Uh, I'm going to do cucumbers, herbs, flowers. Uh, I feel like there's probably something else in there that I'm missing. But yeah. um, I have two big blackberry patches put in, two 40-foot rows of blackberries. I just put them in this year. So next year, people will be able to come out and do it. You pick on those. Nice. And then in the fall... I will have a persimmon you pick and a baking apple you pick. I put an orchard in in July last year, so that will be a little bit longer till it really is uh, producing on a prolific level. And, uh, but yeah, so my, as I said, empower people and maybe people that are not able to garden or that want to come out and learn about gardening can come out and have, especially for city people that want to get out of the city and yeah. have that connection to nature and mm -hmm. see where their food comes from and learn about different things. Um, I want to be able to host a space for people to come out and pick their food. And then something that came about last year, uh, I know you're going to ask me this, but I'm going to go ahead and, and chime it in, okay. uh, is I'm, I want to teach people how to can their food. Okay. So I've been teaching these gardening classes. I've been selling all these plants and I have friends that are coming back and people that are coming back year after year. And they are they're telling me they're expanding their gardens and they're expanding, expanding. And then finally, some of my friends start saying to me, 
Allie, I have way too many tomatoes. Like, what do I do with all these tomatoes? Like, uh-huh. what, like, help me, or I have all these zucchini, or, you know, whatever it is that they have the abundance of. And last year I was able to say to some friends, and now we can. Uh-huh. And now you have food for the winter. Yes. And that's that self sufficiency and that empowerment uh, to be able to not just have fresh food that you know where it came from and that you're able to produce in the summer, mm-hmm. which is amazing. But then you're also able to have that throughout the winter as well. Yeah. And they, they make nice gifts to share, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool. I know um, Annie's gotten into canning the last few years just because, you know, the garden, we, got, the, big. The garden got big <laughs> and all of a sudden there's, you know, abundance of cucumbers and, and tomatoes and all these fun things to share. And there's a uh, so many different, um, I guess, taste preference drives it, but there's so many different ways to can stuff and make stuff. And um, so, like, I just had this thought of um, people coming out, maybe doing a little yoga, doing a little U-pick or taking a canning class. Is that, you know, you've talked about maybe doing yoga out there. I know you've been teaching around central Indiana. What's your thoughts on that yeah i would love to i've had so many friends that are like ali when are you gonna start doing yoga out on the farm mm-hmm. and i said it has been a cleaning up process right so i'm really trying to after this year i will i think have a really lovely beautiful like mulched area that people can come out and have flowers all around and edible plants and things like that and be able to have like a little platform for people to to to, to do yoga so if people want to come out in the meantime, I practice on a fairly regular basis. Uh, <laughs> They're welcome to. <laughs> uh, that's good. That's good. Uh, in the winter, it's really great. I got last year. I got really into doing hot yoga in my greenhouse oh, nice. with all my plants in there. So that I was pretty stoked about that. Oh, nice. um, my greenhouse is not gigantic, but if people wanted to come out and hang out in the greenhouse and do some yoga, it's a pretty a pretty lovely experience yeah yeah well that's uh so i imagine you're you get a little bit of downtime in the winter but the summer keeps you pretty busy Uh, yeah yes between working a full-time job (laughs) and doing a couple other things that i do and doing the farm which i do by myself um Yeah. yeah i don't as i was telling you earlier i don't sleep a whole lot (laughs) (laughs) so is there like opportunities for volunteers to come out and yes absolutely yeah yeah and that's something else that i really want to share with the community is people that maybe can't afford to buy organic produce from the farmer's market or from the grocery store if they wanted to come out and volunteer for an hour and pick harvest you know for an hour or pick weeds for an hour then i'll send them home with food yeah and then they can still have really healthy wholesome food and I can give and they can give and it can still be uh, a communal thing and um, and a wonderful sharing experience. For yeah, all. that's very cool. And so what, I'm just curious, what gave you the idea to buy this farm? I mean, are you seeing other people doing that or is, it, is there a, something you just kind of came up on your own or is, it, is there a model like this out there? Uh, you know, I think what was really the catalyst for me was my current job allows me to live outside the city. Mm -hmm. And when I was in Broad Ripple, 
I just, I mean, we had like no grass. I pretty much took over all of it with garden beds and yeah. trees. And I mean, we had a tiny little spot. Um, yeah. And so when it was time for me to find my own place, it was a, and I, and I wanted like way more chickens because I am totally on the crazy chicken lady spectrum as well. <laughs> and <laughs> oh, no, that's good. Yeah. And so, uh, in, in, in Marion County, you can only have, let's say a dozen. And I was like, I need more chickens and I need a bigger, I just needed to spread my wings. Mm-hmm. And also I really felt, I still feel very passionate that I want I want to use the farm as a retreat center for women battling breast cancer. Okay. Whether, wherever they may be in their journey, I want to be able to allow, because nature, yoga and nature have been so healing to me. Uh-huh. And I learned so much about my practice whenever I was diagnosed um, and had a year full of surgery where I was basically not allowed to exercise. And I wasn't able to use yoga and, and asana form that I had used prior as mm-hmm. a tool for coping. Um, and so I want to be able to share that with other women. Yeah. And I think that was, I wanted to spread my wings. I wanted to grow more, but I also really want to hold a space for women that, that need that are interested in learning and, and, and interested in coming together and supporting one another in, in a variety of ways. Yeah. Is that um, teaching the therapeutic yoga or, you know, geared towards cancer survivors or can- people going through cancer treatment? Is that something that you did some training with or self-taught or h- how did you, did you I've do taken it? some yeah. short courses Yeah. and I've done a lot of reading uh-huh. And then I have just, uh, I mean, I went to some as, as a recipient of the yoga therapy and then I've gone to some, uh, for training for it as well. So, and so it has, I didn't even know that was like a thing. I wish I would have found it earlier mm-hmm. in, in, in my diagnosis, um, and been able to use it as a different kind of tool, but it's a, the connecting the mind and the body and being able to, I had some complications with things. I had some infections set in because I didn't take it as easy as I should have. And, um, yeah, I just want to be able to help other people find it sooner than I did. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And that's, and you, you're in a, you know, not too far from Indy. So you've got a fairly decent location. Mm -hmm. And so do you see like, weekend retreats like housing people and doing the whole nine yards mm-hmm. oh that's very cool yeah that's my that's my end goal okay uh, that's that i will say that was really i go back and forth of building the farm and building the retreat center and really making sure that i'm trying to integrate the two so once i have you know whenever i do hold the retreats i want it to i want the property to be in a state that i is conducive to hosting guests. Uh-huh. And as I said, I, there's a, was a bit of cleaning up to do. So I'm still working on, uh, working on that. And then I have to do things like figure out some housing. And, you know, unfortunately uh, I was a rather young person diagnosed with breast cancer. And so I will also want to make sure that the place is going to be conducive to people that are older than I, that 
maybe not, especially if they've had surgeries or, you know, are not mm-hmm. as mobile, just really having the accessibility to individuals on the property as well. Yeah. Well, that's, that makes sense that, um, and I imagine there's just huge, I know from my own experience of how healing being hands in the earth, you know, like going out, pulling some weeds. So I, I would, you know, say to our listeners in central Indiana, if they, feeling stressed or, you know, there's, there's such a huge value to just go in a garden and pull some weeds, um, whether you have your own or you want to visit Allie, <laughs> there's like a huge value. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm sure there's some study around it, but just that connection with the earth, um, it's invigorating, it's healing at a deep level. Um, so I, I can see that you know, being a thing when you were talking about people can come out and volunteer. It's really not work. It's like self-care. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, that's what it is for me. And I know no matter, I mean, the yoga and the farming just really integrate beautifully for me in my life and dealing with things that are going on out so that are out of my control. And if I just need to take a step back and realign, just even even just walking around the property and just noticing the new growth on things and pulling a few weeds and just taking a time to absorb all of the beauty that nature is just constantly forcing at us. But Mm -hmm. we are so busy that we don't take the time to step back and take a breath and appreciate and see the small intricacies of it all. Uh, There's a lot of, of lot of healing components and a very soothing uh, de-stressing uh, component to it. Oh, I'm, yeah, definitely. And I'm curious about well, with the wildlife there. You're, it's, it seems like you've created a little, little oasis amongst these, you know, hundreds of acres of commercially farmed land. So, and by that I mean chemically farmed land. Um, are you seeing birds and different wildlife kind of gravitating towards your little patch in the in the mix? I am. I will say that last year I had birds that I had not seen before. Um, I saw my first hummingbirds. Okay. And I had several yellow finch. I put in hundreds of sunflowers. So the birds come by the swarms to eat the sunflowers, (laughs) which is great because we are tearing down bird habitat by the hundreds of acres i mean daily the amount of tree lines that i'm seeing going out of the fields around me are just it's it's devastating to mm-hmm. see these huge old trees that are uprooted that not only have been there for so long but are creating this habitat so i'm, I'm able to see like hopefully offer them some refuge as well mm-hmm. um i have tons and tons of tree frogs and toads and uh, and salamanders, and I saw my first snake. I've seen two snakes this year. Uh, so, yeah, I think that I, I'm they're they're coming. I had monarchs. I had a, uh, I got to see a lot of monarchs oh, last nice. year. I do. I try to do a, a pretty decent milkweed patch. And so, um, yeah, it's it's. I like to say that I nourish it and I do what I can for the land, but what it gives back to me is so much more than I can ever give to it. Yeah. Well, and you're gaining, it seems like you're a student of life and student of, of this permaculture farming and you're, you're 
learned so much in just a short period of time. Are you doing some consulting work? I mean, if somebody is like, hey, I want to do this or that around gardening, are you taking mm-hmm. the show on the road? Or, yeah, or I've been doing a little bit. Yeah. I have a few people uh, here in Indianapolis or just outside the 465 loop that have asked me to come in and, and help them build raised beds and build beneficial pollinator gardens and uh, and teach other gardening classes and, and doing things like that. So that's been uh, really exciting and just one more way that I can help share. And uh, as I was telling you before we started recording, some uh, one of the uh, women that I met recently who I sold a couple plants to and went to one of my gardening classes last year at Nourish, she told me that the gardening classes, she's now taking a herbal medicine course and is getting really into this and she doubled her garden this year. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's those small things. Hearing hearing that was yeah. so fulfilling for me to know that I was able to share my love with someone and they were able to find even some something as beautiful to them out of it as well. Yeah. Well, it's uplifting, like for you and for this other person where it's like, and, and I see that, you know, just watching the people at the the uh, talk you gave, you know, there was probably 30 plus people there and they were just really listening very intently and they were interested in growing. And, and I talked to several of them afterwards that were heading out with handfuls of plants and they've been doing some of it. It was new to it. Some of it was something they've maybe done a little bit and now they're trying to expand what they were doing and uh you know listening to your talk then and now it's it's apparent that this is like definite gift you have to uplift people around their own you know nutrition and gardening and and incorporating that um that sort of wholeness of it i guess where you know there's value and getting hands dirty and tending to the garden and noticing the environment. And I think now more than ever, that's such a valuable, valuable thing thing to do. Um, and, you know, studies show and trends, you know, I'm all about watching different, you know, models of, well, what's this, this section of land going to look like in 50 years? And what's, you know, so there's that. I appreciate your having that forethought to be, I want to leave, I want to be a good steward of the land, leave it in better shape than it is today. And future generations will thank you, I'm certain. <laughs> so, um, so coming into the summer, late summer, what, what all, you talked to canning classes and what all you got, else you got going on? Yep. So I'm going to do probably two or three canning classes. Some canning of tomatoes, pickling of beets, hopefully, and then pickling of cucumbers and okra. Mm-hmm. And then I've had some requests because I've been brewing homebrew kombucha for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And I usually just give it away. And people are uh, people that have come out to the farm and have had my kombucha are like, would you be willing to teach a kombucha brewing class? So I'm hoping to get one of those uh, in this summer. And then I also make homemade kimchi. Uh-huh. And so I have a kimchi garden. Okay. where I'm growing all the things that I will then be able to harvest and make kimchi out of. And this is something I'm, my goal and aspiration for the kimchi is, so traditionally it is made and then put in a crock and then it's buried for a year. Mm-hmm. And then you 
and it ferments in the ground and, you know, that humidity and the temperature that it needs for, for everything to form its culture and to break down and, and whatnot. And so I would love to be able to bury a crock and then next year do another class and have people come back out or do like a little gathering where we dig it up and Uh we have like, send them home with some that day. Yes. And then also have almost like a little ceremonial, uh, thing where we dig it up the next year and people can come back out and have that experience of the traditional component to it as well. Oh, that sounds very exciting. And well, wow, just, you're just doing it and and you work a (laughs) full-time job and you're doing all this is, you know, I hope that's inspiring to our listeners. Like, Hey, you know, maybe I can grow three tomato plants on my patio that are super low maintenance. You can do it. (laughs) Yeah. There's no excuses. Um, So when we, if people are interested, I know we'll have your website and I know you're on Facebook and Instagram, the uh, Shambhala Farms, and we'll have all that information in our podcast details so that you know people can reach out to you and, and check out the website, check out kind of what's going on in, in that world. Uh, it's been just a pleasure to talk with you today. And, you know, I, I haven't visited the farm. Definitely I'm going to get out there. I, you know, invite people to go and check it out. I mean, I can really see you getting the retreat center going on the property and, you know, just bringing your energy into yoga. And and even if it's, you know, doing some yoga before you do some U-Pick or maybe it's, you know, hot yoga in the greenhouse in the middle of winter or whatever that turns out to be, there's such a huge value in getting out away from the city little fresh air. Um, you know, the one thing about being in the middle of the commercially farmed land, I mean, they're only working the land half of the year. The other half, it's essentially dormant, no activity. So there's a peacefulness out there, I'm sure. Oh, there's definitely yeah. peacefulness. Yeah. Um, any parting words or thoughts or things we didn't cover you want to touch on? And we've got time, so there's no rush, but... Before we go, um, I I'm I always am encouraging individuals to if you have I hear a lot of times I have a black thumb, <laughs> so uh, I just received videos from one of my girlfriends last night of she has trying to grow basil inside in a window and she's sending me a picture a video of like pots and the window and she's asking me questions and. Um, I'm always, you're welcome. If you want to find me on social media and send me pictures and ask me things, I'm always happy to help. And, and I encourage you, just as you were saying, like, just try growing one thing. And my best advice is don't overwater it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's, that's good advice. Yeah. And, and give it lots of food. That's something that I recently have learned is that you can, Uh, you can literally never feed your plants too much. Mm-hmm. So that's something I'm really working on is doing different types of fertilizing this year and different at different stages with different um, potassium, nitrogen, uh, other minerals that plants need at different stages of fruiting and growth. And, um, and so feed your plants because they need it. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Well, thank you so much, and thank you to all of our listeners out there for um, giving us a listen, and we're excited to see how 
the fall on har- the harvest goes. And I'd definitely love to get you back here sometime in the future because it, it sounds like you've got a lot of things going and growing and and the properties expanding and in some very exciting ways. So Definitely. And if you haven't been to a farmer's market in Indianapolis, check one out, meet your local farmer, have that connection. There's a lot of really great things going on with urban farms in Indianapolis. And you know, if Anderson's not accessible to you, there's tons of stuff going on here in the city. Yeah. And I do the Anderson farmer's market on Saturdays. If anybody wants to come check it out, but I also do the um, Irvington farmer's market on Monday nights. Monday night Irvington. Where is it at in Irvington? Uh, what time is it? Yeah. It's from five to eight and it is right off Ritter, I believe. Okay. Right, uh, right, right next to Coal Yard uh, Coffee, which okay. is a really cool coffee shop I had not been to before. Oh, very good. And then Anderson is Saturday. What time is that up there? Uh, eight to noon. Okay. And it's at, it's on Anderson University's campus um, at the Park Place Community Center. Okay. Well, come and say hello to Allie at the Farmer's Market. That goes through the end of the summer into about October. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So look for her there. And uh, we welcome you to rate the podcast or comment, leave a, you know, leave a review and subscribe so you can catch the uh, more upcoming exciting teachers and dynamic people doing amazing things in the world. So thank you all again. Thanks, Dave. Wow. What a wealth of knowledge Allie had to offer us today. So if you're interested in learning more about what she's got going on and growing things, I mean, clearly that's her passion. She's willing to talk to you. You can message her on social media. You can send her pictures of, hey, I'm trying to grow this, or um, you want to go out and visit her at her farm, or you want to go check out some of the classes she offers and track her progress. She's going to be doing lots of amazing things in the future. You can just see that and hear that and her ambition and her, her desire to spread the, just the joy of, of growing things and, and eating fresh, fresh produce and growing medicinal plants and farm fresh eggs and fruit and blackberries and all these amazing things that she made me hungry just listening to her talk about all the, all the food she's growing. So you can find the, the website um, and the podcast notes. Please subscribe and make sure that way you'll get notices whenever we have a new podcast come out. We come out every other Monday. Um, Allie is also on Facebook at Shambhala Farms and Instagram at Shambhala underscore farms. So give her a follow and say hello. And we welcome your comments and have an awesome day. Thank you for listening to The Yoga Voice, brought to you by City Yoga School of Yoga and Health, where we are committed to exploring how yoga inspires and transforms. Find out more at www.cityyoga.biz. That's C-I-T-Y-O-G-A dot biz. Special thanks to our producer, Brian Sims, for his audio expertise.